0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. People who live and travel along Highway 99 near Pemberton say free range horses are becoming a hazard on the highway, putting lives at risk. Two horses were killed in a collision just last week. But as Cassidy Moscone reports, finding a solution is proving to be a big challenge.
1: Horses free-roaming in the Pemberton Valley. They're majestic, but locals say this is the reality they face.
2: Someone's going to die one of these days. It's very concerning.
1: Colliding with cars on Highway 99, killing the animals, two dead just last week.
2: The horses are allowed to roam. They're owned by an individual who does not contain them and they roam and forage on other
3: people's property
2: throughout the year.
1: Wayne Andrews owns them.
3: It always makes you feel bad when a horse gets killed.
1: He and a group of Lilwat Nation members say the horses roam on traditional land.
4: We're still the rightful owners to our traditional territory. We've never ceded or surrendered our rights to our traditional territory.
1: Are you worried about, one, the horses' safety but also the motorists' safety? Yes.
4: We are, but then you have to remember too that there was a highway put right through the reservation without the consent of the people.
1: We reached out to four different jurisdictions, Tribal Police, the RCMP, the Regional District and the Lilwat Nation Council. No one could give us an answer for a way forward.
5: I know how frustrating and, and disappointing it is for the residents in the area, for the uh, business owners in the area who are concerned about the welfare for the horses. No one can really do much uh, to, to uh, deal with it.
1: No solution for a decades-old dispute. Cassidy Moscone, Global News.
0: The province has released its latest update on COVID-19 as we begin navigating the respiratory illness and flu season. 734 COVID cases have been reported this week. There are 328 patients in hospital with the virus. That's down from 397 a week before. There were 44 deaths reported last week related to COVID-19. Deaths in the 80-plus age group, have been elevated in the past couple of weeks. The BC CDC says more people in B.C. are being tested for COVID-19 right now. Something new this year, school aged children are being prioritized in this fall's immunization campaign. For more, we'll bring in our Keith Baldry from Victoria. Keith, a lot of people, including us, noticed when children, our children, got their invitations to book an appointment before we did.
2: Yeah, really puzzled a lot of people because, of course, for several years, the immunization rolled out based on age after certain categories, starting with age 65 and down. But now school kids are suddenly prioritized in the queue. And a lot of people didn't know that. We're getting calls and emails from people saying, wait a minute, I'm 52 years old. Why haven't I got my appointment and my 16-year-old has? And the reason is there has been a policy change. Here's the breakdown as of yesterday of who's been getting appointments or invitations to get uh, the COVID-19 update and flu immunization. 200,000 frontline healthcare workers, almost a similar number of those with weakened immune systems, and almost 700,000 of those 65 years and o- older. That's normal. That's our regular policy. Here's where the change is, and it's the kids aged, uh, again, from zero, uh, from uh, six months to 18 years old. Six months to s- uh, four years old, 71,000. You see the other age groups there, almost a half million between 5 and 17. Uh, 18 to 64 is, of course, the next group after the uh, the kids in school, 2.75 million. And at the end of all this, we expect to have 4.6 million invitations sent out. The change is school kids now being prioritized over those aged under 65. We talked to the health minister today, and he explains the rationale for it.
0: We started with uh, people in long-term care, people who are clinically vulnerable, uh, seniors over 65, those were the first three. And then we went to children, because this year at the same time we're doing influenza and COVID-19 and we wanted to get those done. And they also operationally coincide with some of the school-based clinics. So it made sense to do children next
2: so it appears most kids have received their invitations so we're now back to the age rollout. It was 65 and under. I'm told as of yesterday, we we're about the 53-year-old, 52-year-old age group. So if you're in that early 50s, you're going to be getting your invitation fairly soon to get both your COVID-19 vaccine and your flu vaccine. It's going to be a rough respiratory illness season. Everyone's recommending you get both shots.
0: Mm, that's right. Okay. Thanks very much, Keith. Right. Appreciate it. Well, for thousands of small businesses, the deadline is looming to repay emergency pandemic government loans. But many are facing added costs from inflation and high interest rates that didn't exist three years ago, and Canada's premiers are joining many business groups in calling for an extension of the repayment period. Richard Zussman reports.
6: Carol de Bastor Kismet Gift Gallery in Fort Langley is known for helping artisans get recognized. Now it's DeBath who needs the help.
7: I do not want something for nothing. I'm just not sure that the guidelines are really helping business.
6: DeBath is one of thousands of small business people in BC struggling to pay back the Canada Emergency Business Account loan offered interest-free during the start of the COVID pandemic. And now she has some powerful allies in her corner. Premier David Eby and all of Canada's premiers asking Ottawa to provide a repayment extension. The letter reads, more time is needed to allow the hardest-hit small businesses to continue their recovery from not only the pandemic, but the cost shocks that came after. The letter is really about the impact of rising interest rates on everybody in the province and the impacts on people with mortgages and so on, but especially as well, uh, businesses. Ottawa has provided a recent extension, but it was only 18 days. The hope now is an extension until the end of 2024. According to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, just 15% of businesses have paid back the loan in full, and 90% of those with unpaid loans say an extension to the end of 2024
3: would help. We've never really seen this low of optimism from B.C. small businesses since really the early start of the pandemic.
6: Financial cost pressures have been piling up nowhere more than in the restaurant sector where slower than expected COVID recovery is coupled with escalating food and staffing costs.
4: If you ask a restaurant owner today do they have cash today to pay it the answer is no we are in real trouble and we are not out of the pandemic Um, we have every intention
6: to pay this back. Um, but we need an extension. Back in Fort Langley, Tabas says getting the extension could be the difference between continuing to greet her guests and having to close her doors forever. Richard Sussman, Global News.
0: A daycare rejected by Port Coquitlam Council is getting a second chance. Port Coquitlam's mayor has stepped in to urge council to reconsider the proposal, saying the need for daycare spaces is too great to ignore this opportunity. Travis Prasad reports. In a Port Coquitlam neighbourhood, there's
8: a proposal to knock this house down and replace it with a two-storey daycare, enough space for a combined 65 infants and preschoolers. After passing the first and second reading with unanimous support, City Council rejected the Grant Avenue daycare application at the third reading earlier this month.
4: The most fundamental point for for myself uh, looking at this is the streetscape itself. Uh, there are no sidewalks.
8: Mayor Brad West, who wasn't at the council meeting, is now using his mayoral powers to bring the daycare back for reconsideration, saying councillors' questions were not properly answered. So I think a step was missed here, which is, you know, in any application, you have people who come forward and say, well, what about this and what about that? And usually what happens is you afford both the applicant and staff the opportunity to address those concerns. At the October 10th council meeting, seven residents spoke out against the daycare. Some of them saying it would be too big and would cause traffic congestion on this street. The mayor says those concerns are legitimate, but one resident said the daycare would be too close to a bear habitat, putting kids at risk of a bear attack. I've heard the occasional absurd thing before, and um, this would probably be towards the top. Under the city's child care action plan, Port Coquitlam is trying to add 145 new child care spaces
2: each year. I'm very much appreciative of uh, Mayor Brad West reconsidering this. I believe he and I know through uh, their child care needs assessment that daycare within Port Coquitlam is definitely needed, especially the toddler space. We don't currently have plans to
3: uh, interfere or intervene in municipal decisions but I do want to encourage all municipalities uh, to really look at these applications when they come forward.
8: City Council will reconsider the daycare application this Tuesday. Travis Prasad, Global News.
0: If you're planning to visit Stanley Park in the next few weeks, we have some closures you should know about. Until November 3rd, there will be intermittent closures along Stanley Park Drive and Pipeline Road. Parts of the tunnel And Tisdall Walk trails and the seawall will also be shut down. The closures will allow crews to safely take down hundreds of trees killed by an infestation of looper moths.
8: It resulted in a few trees becoming stressed. Some trees have obviously died. Um, And I think the overwhelming concern is that these trees, they do present a a risk right, towards a failure, towards a public paths, main roads, um, etc. cetera, right? So I think a great effort is being made uh, to mitigate that risk.
0: It's estimated that about a quarter of the trees in the park have been negatively impacted by the moths and consecutive years of drought conditions as well. It is the final day of Variety Week here at Global BC and the need for variety grants has never been greater. Kids across BC need the help of variety but that's only possible with your donations. The grants provide life-altering equipment and therapies for families who usually have exhausted all other funding options. So we want to help at least 600 kids by the end of Variety Week. So if you can, please call the number on your screen now. And as we get closer to that 600 kid total, we want to thank all of our generous donors like Prashnil Naidu from Surrey, and Louise Stein from Terrace, thank you so much for those donations. And tonight, thanks especially to Buy Low Foods. Your dollars are going to have twice the impact because they're matching. The need for support has never been greater, so please donate now. Vancouver grows up, allowing wine sales in grocery stores. But if you're hoping for the American-style bargains and selection, well, industry experts say you're bound to be disappointed. That's next on the News Hour. Stunning victory for a Vernon ultra athlete who keeps proving she is among the world's toughest. Her story later on the news hour. And game over for one of the greatest athletes Canada has ever produced. Why soccer star Christine Sinclair is hanging up her cleats for good a little later in sports. Right now though, the city of Vancouver has changed its bylaws to allow wine on the shelves of bigger grocery stores. But as Kristen Robinson reports, don't expect to see your favorite vintage in a lot more stores anytime soon.
9: You can grab non alcoholic beverages, but no wine in Vancouver supermarkets. City Council wants to change that, approving bylaw amendments to allow the sale of wine on shelves in grocery stores larger than 10,000 square feet with provincial wine store licenses.
8: We're getting the sense that the public is really eager to see this.
9: Grocery stores in Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, and at least 40 U.S. states sell wine. In Calgary and Edmonton, you can buy a bottle at 7-Eleven. Oh. <laughs> Eight years ago, this Surrey Save on Foods became the first B.C. grocery store to offer wine on its shelves. Since 2015, the city of Vancouver says the province has issued 33 grocery wine store licenses in 20 municipalities... But there's a freeze on new licenses, so an existing license holder would need to relocate a license to a grocery store in Vancouver.
10: It's not going to work out the way consumers think at all, but at the end of the day this is going to have a very marginal impact, only a couple of stores at most. The only people who want these licenses are grocery stores that are currently making record profits off the backs of British Columbians.
8: There is in the longer term uh, an opportunity for the province to increase the number of licenses to allow for wine on grocery store shelves.
9: Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth is responsible for the liquor and cannabis regulation branch. He was unavailable Friday. The province says grocery store wine licenses are limited due to a government-imposed freeze on liquor retail stores, including special wine stores and new applications are not being accepted.
10: There's no reason that we need to help grocery stores retail wine, particularly when you ask yourself, is it difficult to get a bottle of wine in British Columbia right now? I think the answer is obviously no.
9: With 200 government liquor stores and 670 private liquor stores in BC, Industry experts say there's no extra demand.
10: For me, my uh, perspective, this was really a waste of time. They should look at what what can we do to make the industry better. And uh, so far, I haven't seen that.
9: Save on Foods, meantime, says it will look for opportunities where it makes sense to sell BC wine in its Vancouver stores. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: Just ahead, the diplomatic disaster that's hurting BC residents. It was almost like a bombshell. How Canada's dispute with India is making life very difficult for many families who travel back and forth. And Surrey City Council makes a push for the first bus rapid transit in the region. How it could speed up the commute along the busiest corridors.
9: It's busy on all
3: three downtown bridges right now with backups northbound on Burrard and Granville Street Bridge and southbound at the south end of the Canby Street Bridge. Kermak Collision and Auto Glass's newest location is in Vancouver on Southwest Marine Drive, conveniently located between Cambie and Oak. Kermac's most trusted name in collision repair for 50 years. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre.
0: Special thanks to the folks on this list for making donations, including, I see you, Carol Haig from Cranbrook. Thank you very much for making a difference in a child's life. Join that list if you can. Take advantage of BILO's matching donation throughout the news hour tonight, up to100,000 dollars. Every gift matters, and we'll make sure that Variety can say yes to more kids on their wait list, which continues to grow. So please call now if you can. All right, Vancouver Police say one of the two men hurt in a shooting last month has now died just after midnight. September 10th, police were called to Victoria Drive and East 28th Avenue after shots were fired. Two men were taken to hospital in serious condition and then on Monday morning, 35-year-old Zuho Rudden Mansouri died from his injuries. The second victim is recovering. A man was arrested in connection to the case on Wednesday, but at this point, no charges have been laid. Mansuri's death is Vancouver's 13th homicide of the year. RCMP in Alberta think a young woman who's been missing since August might be in BC. 23 year old Jasmine Labucan was last seen in Grand Prairie on August 26th. She's five feet nine inches tall with black hair. Labucan has connections in Surrey and Kelowna, so if you have any information about where she might be, you're asked to call Grand Prairie RCMP or your local police detachment. The city of Surrey says it should be the first in Metro Vancouver. To get the next stage of public transportation, as Janet Brown reports, it wants bus rapid transit down one of its busiest corridors.
11: With 12 to 1,500 people moving into Surrey every month, the population growth is putting a strain on transit.
4: What should be like in Europe, buses
11: everywhere. It's not really what good. <laughs> I hope so it's gonna get better. The need for transit in Surrey is enormous surrey is hoping to have the first bus rapid transit line in the region we have a problem we have a transit deficit that is like no other in this region there are nine proposed corridors that translink is considering for bus rapid transit including the king george boulevard in surrey running from city central to south surrey with two dedicated lanes down the center of the road. That just makes those bus riders get to where they're going faster, more efficiently um, and it's helpful to the cars as well. TransLink says bus rapid transit is defined by three key features high capacity fleet and high frequency service dedicated lanes with transit signal priority and stations with amenities like real time information displays
9: i think that makes a lot of sense especially since there's so many people in surrey who rely on transit that's the kind of thing that can that can like improve traffic and improve um like ability to
11: commute the surrey board of trade says surrey with its population growth has been left behind in recent years when it comes to transportation improvements. Transit is the worst in Surrey. And Hubberman says bus rapid transit could make way for innovative transportation technology in future such as light rail transit. Right now it's uh, bus rapid transit, that's what's on the table, that's what we can afford but uh, we see it at the Surrey Board of Trade as a short-term solution. Surrey Council has directed staff to work with TransLink on advancing design of bus rapid transit, hoping to be awarded the first route in the region. Janet Brown, Global News.
0: Just ahead, the diabetes drug in short supply. Hollywood loves Ozempic for weight loss in otherwise healthy people, but patients here say they're being shortchanged. First, though, the excitement over the release of two hostages in Israel.
3: Traffic is steady both ways at the Patello Bridge right now, but do keep in mind there's ongoing road work in, at both ends as well as on the bridge deck during the overnight hours. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert care for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermak is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm sure she was him in, in the Global Traffic Center.
0: Nearly two weeks after the deadly October 7th attack by Hamas in Israel, two hostages have been released. U.S. President Joe Biden says an American woman and her teenage daughter, Judith and Natalie Renan, were released, following talks between Israel, the U.S., and Hamas, brokered by Qatar. The Renans were visiting Israel from Chicago when they were captured in the attack. The Israeli military says more than 200 people are still being held as hostages by Hamas. Efforts continue today to remove Canadians from the Gaza Strip. Global Affairs says to date, close to 1,600 Canadians have been evacuated from Israel on 16 flights. And more flights are planned for this weekend. But getting Canadians out of Gaza is contingent on humanitarian aid being allowed in through the Rafah crossing with Egypt. At the moment, there are approximately 430 Canadians, permanent residents and their families in the Gaza Strip. Global Affairs says they are encouraging, or there are encouraging signs, that the border with Egypt could open up soon to allow humanitarian aid in and foreign nationals out. When it does, we are
7: ready to uh, be able to receive Canadians and their family members uh, on, uh, on the Egyptian side and to facilitate their return to Canada.
0: So our mission is completely mobilized to be ready to do that. Global Affairs says at this point, there are no reports of any Canadian deaths in Gaza. Efforts are also underway to evacuate Canadians from nearby Lebanon. The recent escalation of tensions between Canada and India that resulted in Canada pulling 41 diplomats from India is more bad news for anyone trying to travel back and forth. As Krista Dow reports, it's particularly bad this time of year.
5: Uh, Gil International. At Gill International in Surrey, travel agents are inundated with calls during its busiest travel season, as about 80% of travel to India happens between September to April.
11: It was almost like a bombshell.
5: President Paul Gill says 95% of his clients are Indo-Canadians or a part of the Indian diaspora, many of them now in limbo after India indefinitely suspended visa services last month.
4: It is frustrating. I mean, it's like we're going through a cycles after cycle, you know, after COVID and now this. And uh, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, the way it, the situation is, political situation is going.
5: The political row showing no signs of improvement and comes after Justin Trudeau alleged agents of the Indian government may have been involved in the June killing of Hardeep Singh Nijer in Surrey. <laughs> And in Surrey, lineups continue outside visa offices. Many Canadian citizens, including and Sikhan, now applying for OCIs or overseas citizenships of India cards instead, which are still available but require more paperwork and take much longer.
8: There's
4: a lot of applications coming in right now. You can see by the lineups, right? So naturally, the process, that was uh, about four or five weeks, it's probably going to be around three months now. Everybody knows that the visa is temporary has been cancelled. So you've got to absorb that that, and uh, move on with what you got.
5: Sikhan, among the luckier ones, able to move his travel plans from November to February. But for others, the situation is much more desperate.
4: People are going for medical treatments. Most of them booked uh, for medical appointments, surgeries and all that stuff. I'll say who is suffering, n- not the government's. It's us. It's the people, the businesses.
5: Gill, like many others, hoping cooler heads will eventually prevail. Chris Dow, Global News.
0: Patients being treated for diabetes or obesity are hoping some relief is on the way with an increased supply of the drug Ozempic. The company that makes it has struggled to meet soaring demand. But as Cassidy Moscone reports, that might be about to change. It's been
1: branded as Hollywood's wonder weight loss drug but for diabetics Zempic is much more than that.
9: We do need this for our health in order to get the diabetes under control and to be healthy and it's not just a matter of being heavy um, and it's not a matter of eating too much sugar. This is a disease.
1: Its rise in popularity, thanks in part to an aggressive ad campaign by the manufacturer, has made the prescribed medication tough to get around the globe and here in BC.
9: Just recently, I just tried to refill it last this week and they had to put me on a wait list. You don't know what's going to happen with your health and who's taking your health seriously. <laughs>
10: I think ultimately the shortage is a is a miscalculation by the uh, by the manufacturer it just You know, supply couldn't keep up with demand.
1: The drug is also used to treat obesity. Supply stresses, doctors say, is sparking unhelpful conversations about who should be accessing the drug.
5: The amount of weight bias that exists, you and I both know if there was a drug that treated MS and rheumatoid arthritis, I don't think we'd be fighting for which one to use it for. Pharmacies around
1: Vancouver tell me they are being inundated with requests for a Zempic, but the good news is suppliers say the shortfall might be over
10: soon. I'm being interviewed as we speak. What's the update?
11: Oh, uh, well, we have uh, Ozempic arriving um, routinely this week. We're starting to see it back in pharmacies. Uh, we're seeing patients get called in that we're on the waiting list. So it's moving through
1: moving from wholesale to pharmacies and into patients' hands. Cassidy Moscone, Global News.
0: This morning, during Variety Week, we introduced you to Callum, a 10-year-old boy being helped by Variety with tutoring. Well, Callum's brother, Ronan, is also neurodiverse. He has autism and is nonverbal. Variety supports more than both of those boys. They support the entire family. So please call 310Kids and donate to help kids like Callum and Ronan. Take a look.
11: Well, it's a full-time job. That's why I can't work. Even just all the p- managing, the scheduling, and the timing of everything, getting everybody to different places, and really it's definitely it's a lot of work. Really?
7: <laughs> it's tiring. For a family coping with one child who has complex needs, life can be challenging. But when two children in the same household have neurodivergent conditions, everyday life can be daunting. Ten-year-old Callum has ADHD, anxiety, and a learning disability, while eight-year-old Ronin has autism, global developmental delay, and is nonverbal. Both require extensive therapies to help them succeed. That's great the current healthcare crisis in bc extends beyond doctor shortages and hospital wait times private practitioners have long wait lists as well and without enough funding charities like variety may not be able to approve every grant for crucial equipment or services
5: for families in need ronan was on our wait list for quite a while um, we had a spot for him last summer, for example, and we offered the parents a spot, and they needed to turn it down because they just couldn't pay for it, because they actually didn't have Variety funding set up yet.
7: This year, Variety was able to provide the crucial funding for Ronan's OT. But there are many children out there who are still waiting, and not just for one service. Children with neurodivergent conditions need as
5: much help as they can get. Ronin needs weekly therapy sessions. And um, he doesn't just only need OT. He needs speech therapy. He needs behavior consulting. He can benefit from a variety of more therapies, like music therapy, counseling. Um, So for a family, that's unaffordable. It just doesn't work. And
7: for Ronan's family, things are even more complicated and more expensive, because both of their sons require multiple therapies. These boys need constant support, support you can help provide through your donation to Variety.
11: If we didn't have Variety, I don't think the boys would be managing very well in their day-to-day. They definitely wouldn't be able to um, uh, interact with the kids at school and even just sit in a classroom and, and just be a regular kid. I don't think they'd be able to do any of those things.
0: Good job, Ronan, is right. And you can help support families like Ronan and Callum's with every donation to Variety. Every donation can help a child with tutoring, counseling, or occupational therapy. And remember, during tonight's news hour, Buy Low Foods is matching donations. So please call now. We want to reach that 600-child mark, and we know we can do it together. Thanks to everybody who has given this week. Coming up, the Vernon woman who just set a new standard for human endurance. The grueling ultra marathon she just won with distances so great it took nearly a month to complete it. And the end of an era in Canadian soccer, the transcendent talent and influence of retiring superstar, Christine Sinclair from protecting small business gems to outing big business bullies if it matters to consumers it matters to investigative reporter Andrea
6: Consumer Matters with Andrea on Global News
0: Variety Week is wrapping up quickly and uh, when you give today your donation is going to be doubled by Buy Low Food so Every gift matters, no matter how small. And your donation will go twice as far for kids in B.C. if you give tonight. But we need you to help. So thanks to Richard Chang, who I see on the list. He's from Vancouver. He did it. Please donate to Variety now because all kids deserve the chance to thrive. And we can help them if you give. All right, there's Christy with a look at the weather. And the atmospheric river has waned quite a bit now, Christy
3: yeah it was sure great the impact of it bringing those uh, drought levels down all across the south coast but i have to admit it was nice to have a dry day today chris and uh for all the kids that were out for the province wide uh pro d day that was helpful cloud cover though across the region and we certainly saw that today but we're under a very mild air mass here's a look at the daytime highs look at a soyuz 19 18 in kelowna typical for this time of year in kelowna would be 10 so that's well above seasonal for this time of year it's mild along the coast but we're not seen as uh, drastic of a deviation from normal as they are in the interior regions. A big change, though, on the way this week. Here's a quick look at what we're expecting. So as we head into next week, we're going to see a drop in temperatures. So that means, yes, the snowfall is potential for the mountain passes. By the way, as of October 1st, you are required to have snow tires traveling the mountain passes across southern BC. So by Tuesday, with moisture shifting in, be aware of that. But this is even as of lower elevations. So Kelowna, Kamloops, all of those areas, is that could be the potential for the first lower elevation snowfall late Wednesday into Thursday. Stay tuned. It's still days away and we'll refine the timing, but a heads up on that. For tomorrow, though, cloud cover, slight chance of a shower, but otherwise we're watching snowfall potential late tomorrow into our Sunday for the BC Peace River area. Otherwise, we will see sunshine across the province. So there you go. We'll see certainly cloud cover across southern BC and a slight chance of a sprinkle, but overall the region will be dry. Temperatures will drop a little bit tomorrow, though. We'll see a high of 13 degrees in through Metro Vancouver, away from the water up to 16 degrees. And uh, more sunshine on Sunday. In fact, by afternoon on Sunday, I'm expecting more sunshine. And Monday, we'll see a little bit more cloud cover. All right, Chris, tonight's central windows, weather window, comes to you from, Mm. uh, comes to us from Penticton. This is uh, Dennis's shot of one of the vineyards as it changes colour. I actually haven't seen a shot like that before. I thought it was quite stunning. Thanks, Dennis, for that one.
0: Looks great. Before the snow flies, potentially, out there. Yeah. In the next (laughs) little while. Thanks, Thanks very much for that, Christy, and thanks, Dennis, for sending it in. All right, check this out. A Vernon woman has come out on top in an almost unbelievable test of human endurance. That is Shanda Hill crossing the finish line in San Felipe, Mexico to claim the Deca Ultra Tri Crown. She swam, get this, 76 kilometers. She biked 3,600 kilometers and then ran 844 kilometers over 26 days to win the race. Hill was one of just six athletes who even attempted the challenge and only three of them finished.
5: I was ready to be done that day and that's when I started running, like hard. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna go until either the wheels fall off or, you know, Till I finish. And fortunately for me it was it was a bit of a
3: gamble, but I, I gave a really good push and I'm thankful it worked out it worked out really well.
0: Even more amazing, it's not the first time Shanda has done it. Hill is the first person ever to finish a DECA Ultra try three times. And she also now holds the female world record for the most long distance triathlons completed in a calendar year. Congratulations, Shanda. You are an inspiration to all of us. Uh, okay, here's Squire with Look Ahead to Sports. That is incredible. It's amazing. How much sleep would you need after a race like that? Like, <laughs> I'll give you a
10: call in a week. I just got to get some rest here. Maybe more. Uh, okay, so like any player would be, the silly pod Colza wasn't all that happy when he was told by Rick Tockett he was going to start the season in the minors.
11: Guys, yeah, it's, it's, it's always hard to take, but like, whatever I can do right now is just working.
10: But he has two goals in two games with Abbotsford who are opening up their home season tonight. And he has very specific instructions on what he has to do to get back down the freeway to Vancouver.
0: let's hope he follows them. Also tonight, satellite debris. Squire's back with sports and a seismic shift in Canadian sports today.
10: Yes, I don't think it's a surprising announcement. You knew it had to come sooner or later. Mm -hmm. Now it's sooner. Uh, Christine Sinclair says she'll play four more games for Canada's national team before the end of this year, and then that's it. She'll retire from international play, but she will go one more year with her club team down in Portland. It's likely one of her final games with Canada will be played here, where she grew up, they haven't announced it yet, but that's the word. She will play a game with Canada at BC Place. It's not official yet, but it should be. Uh, then she can get a proper goodbye from her hometown. She is the quiet woman with the loudest statistics in women's soccer. More goals than any player. 190 of them in 327 international games for Canada against 43 different teams in 22 different countries. She has had 10 World Cup goals, 12 Olympic goals. Of course, she won gold with Canada at the Olympics. She has the Order of Canada. She has a million honours. She first played for Canada at the age of 16 and it just will not seem the same to watch Canada's women's team and not see number 12 out there. The BC Lions regular season ends tonight against Calgary at BC Place. And then the Lions can stay home and get ready to start the playoffs in their house, either in the Western semifinal or the Western final. It all depends on what happens tonight and what happens with Winnipeg and how the Bombers finish the year. BC will use their main players, if healthy, to start the game tonight, and that includes a man who is with Asa right now.
4: Yeah, Squires, the last regular season game for the BC Lions, and it's a chance for the team to have a little momentum going into the playoffs. Still keep that hope of finishing first in the West and reach some milestones, personal and team milestones. I'm joined now by wide receiver of the BC Lions, Alexander Helens. Alexander, you're one TD catch away from reaching 10 this season. What would that mean to you?
6: Uh, that mean a lot to me. That'd be a big thing. You know, it's hard to get. It's hard to score a touchdown in this league, so it's even harder to score a double-digit touchdown. So, so if I accomplish that tonight, then that would be great. But that wasn't a, per, a personal goal of mine this year, honestly.
4: With reaching 13 wins this season a goal for the team? What would that mean to you and your teammates?
6: Oh uh, man, uh, that would be great. You know what I'm saying? We come out with this win tonight and, and carry on with that positive energy. You know, all the uh, great plays that we can make tonight, carry that on to the plow, that would be great. That would be extremely great for us. Now, a win today would mean 13 wins
4: on the season for the BC Lions, matching that number that you're wearing there. And it would be just the seventh time the BC Lions reached 13 wins. In a season, if they can pull it off today, Squire.
10: Thank you, gentlemen. I was going to talk about Tyler Myers and his miscues from last night against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, but then I realized people are eating their dinner, so I better not show <laughs> that. Uh, Vasili Podkolzin. We'll talk about him instead. He has played 118 games for Vancouver, but he didn't impress Rick Tocchet enough to start this season with the big club, and said he's down in Abbotsford with the Canucks there are going to play tonight against Calgary. It's a bit distressing for Canuck fans to see a 10th overall pick struggling still to make the big team. But if you want to be optimistic, some players do take a bit longer to finally get it.
4: Vasily put Colson scored twice in Abbotsford's opening game of the season so that's a positive start for a guy who got sent down to the minors with very specific directions on how to make his way back to the NHL. When he's at his best, he's driving with the puck. Uh, he's winning battles, he's physical, he's, he's taking pucks to the net. He's got a skill set that transfers, in my opinion, to uh, winning at the next level. The production is great but only if it's attached to a style of play that will transfer to the next level.
11: I had a meeting, uh this uh, talk. You have to play on right hockey, you have to do right things and the uh, results will, will come. And I think yeah, yeah, just uh, keep keep shooting, keep scoring and uh, hopefully everything will be okay.
4: Pud Colson has been playing alongside Sheldon Dries, who spent the entire year in the NHL with the Big Canucks last season. So that helps having a settling veteran presence to make sure Pud Colson develops the right habits.
3: It's grinding each day, and things aren't always going to go your way in this game. And um, it's kind of digging yourself out of that hole. And Podzi has a great attitude. I have no uh, no worries about him whatsoever.
4: Nice feedback.
0: Pud Colson in scores!
4: One thing Tockett wants Colson to work on is his on-ice vision. Being able to read the ice so that he's in the right position to make plays. It doesn't mean you're going to make the perfect read every time, but if you're decisive and aggressive, then typically it works out. And when it doesn't work out, it's the type of mistake you can recover from. It's easy to forget Colson is only 22. He's got just 118 NHL games under his belt. What came naturally for him as a kid is taking some time in the pro game in North America.
11: Like I would like to say, there's different hockey here, and like uh, guys did different things a little bit. A lot of hits, a lot of good plays here, and yeah, just uh, I feel good. Uh, I feel good on the ice, and I'm ready to go. So it's uh, it's up to it's up to me.
0: There you go, saying the right things. Thanks, Squire. We'll be back with satellite debris next. Heading into the weekend, it's all downhill from here, and that starts things off with satellite debris and squire.
10: Yes, there's a man named Joe Kronquist who likes to do two things in his life. He likes to mountain bike, and he likes to juggle, but he doesn't have a lot of time, so he does them simultaneously.
0: It's crazy.
10: just watching him that. do that <laughs> good inner ear good yep. balance uh, okay a couple <laughs> here one from geico and one uh, very cute from volkswagen
3: this house it really has it all
10: yeah but a neighbor he's a little opinionated
3: next on golf Day. steering one
8: i think it'll make me a big salad
3: steering two at least geico makes it easy to bundle our home and car insurance strike three What are you talking about? That's a cute shirt. You need glasses, pal. That's it. You're out
0: of here. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com.
2: He's done this to me before.
10: all-electric id4 it's the little things it's a vw see i told you it was cute very cute i think we have time for one more this one uh, from over the pond in the uk
8: this is elite level rescuing local garages are vying for a coveted place in the
10: green flag network
8: run repairs fueling up salisbury looking nervous And
10: they're away. What a start from Bexley Autos. Glencoe Garage, a stumble and down he goes. Onto the sheet now. Nature's traffic jam. Runcorn out in front, but anything can happen in the fog. Oh, Salisbury
5: stepped up a gear. It's neck and neck. he's going to take it. Sensational
10: repair. Only first-rate rescuers get to join our local breakdown network. Only the best get (laughs) the...
0: I All like right. celebrating that with last the one oil. That my favorite. Yeah, yeah that, right. That last one was black oil everywhere. Uh, hey, listen, reasons to celebrate, not just the end of the week, but uh, on Monday when we started Variety Week on Global BC, there were hundreds of kids waiting for the vital equipment and services that they need. And now, thanks to our generous donors and viewers, Variety can help 559 of those kids. We are so yes. close to the goal of 600 kids the phone lines though will remind you will be open all weekend and will announce the total raised on monday's news hour at six o'clock so if you haven't donated yet please do thank you so much bc for making this real Mm -hmm. amazing uh heading down to the bc lions game wishing the boys good luck well you're wearing the appropriate colors i'm wearing the right colors black and orange it's blackout night tonight and it's family night for cknw kids fund families too so they get to see the game too Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.